0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So I, I come home almost every other day to my, my kids uh, creating. I, i see their creations they'll say daddy look at the painting i made daddy look at the project look at the craft that we put together and i'm always amazed i'm like wow these kids are so creative they are creators and it's probably the the most amazing things to see your children creating it's like they're in their element and it reminds me that us as people our element is to be in a space of creation every single day you and i are supposed to be creating something because We're made in the image of our creator, and if we're made in the image of our creator, the first thing we know about him is that he is a creator. So we are creative, and we are creators too. So my children create these things, and I'm amazed at what they do. And I ask them, how did you do this? How did you put this together? How did you figure this out? And my son Zion says, Daddy, I went to Pinterest. I just go to Pinterest, and I get instructions, and I follow directions, and I make stuff. And I'm like, holy smoke, my son is smarter than I, because I've tried Pinterest projects. I've tried them. I've tried to put together a Pinterest project, and I'm the Pinterest fail. Pinterest is the ultimate do-it-yourself social media site. And we as a people are so obsessed with do-it-yourself. We want to do it ourselves. We want to do it, do it, do it, do it. Uh, you've got YouTube influencers, Instagram influencers who are all about do-it-yourself. You've got TV channels, TV shows. We follow all these different things on do-it-yourself. We've got big box stores like Home Depot, Lowe's, Michael's. You can go down the line and just name after name of all these places that are designed to help you do it yourself. And it starts early. It starts early. We cultivate the, the validating of people in their doing and not in their being from a very early age, it starts early. My son's first three word sentence was, I did it. My lastborn's first three word sentence was also, I did it. Why? Because I praise them and my my wife praises them for doing stuff. We don't praise them for just being. We don't praise them for just being. And so all of a sudden our self-worth and our validation and our place in this world is based on our doing. What I do and what I don't do becomes how we identify ourselves. And the question becomes this. The question is this. How many of you who are parents will claim ownership of your children based on the chores that they perform? You wash the dishes. You're my son. You, 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 you make your bed. You're my child. You did all these things and, and, and what they do all of a sudden is what makes you feel as if they're connected to you. We, we don't do that. We don't do that because it's not about what they do that makes them special to us. It's who they be that makes us love them and cherish them and embrace them and, 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 and hope for them. It's their being. But we praise them not because of their being. We praise them because of their doing. My son Jazz, my third born, is, is in the, and he's, he's, he's right before the threshold of being praised for what he does. He loves himself. He'll run up and down and just say, I love being me. I love being jazzy. He calls himself. He says, he's a jazzy. He does not even say that he's, he's a little boy or, or or does not identify by the things that he does. He just says, I'm a jazzy. The other day I said, I said to Jazzy, I was like, Jazzy, I love you. He said, yes, you do. You do. I was like, wow, this guy is so so self-confident, he really is into his own zone. I was like, Jazzy, you're the best. He's like, yes, I am. And he turns to me and says, son? He says, daddy, I know you love me. And, and it's like his natural state is a state of him being completely comfortable on, 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 on who he is and not being validated by what he does. He knows that no matter what, I am his daddy, he is my Jazzy, he is my son. And he inherits everything that he has in life. His food, his bed that he sleeps in is part of his inheritance. He just has to be and he'll experience a life of provision, protection, and love just because of who he bees. My son Zion the other day comes up to me. He's like, he says to me, Daddy, I want to know all about about all the stuff that we own. I was like, oh, we have a house, we have some cars, we have we this, we have some other houses, other properties elsewhere. He's like, Daddy, I want to know how much money we have. And I'm like, Son, why do you want to know how much money we have? I said, I need to know all of it. He's like, I'm like, Why do you need to know this? He says, I need to know how much is mine. And I'm like, How much of my stuff is yours? He's like, He said, You told me that all the stuff that belongs to you belongs to me, too. And so I'm like, You're right. And so I said, I tell him, I'm like we have all this stuff and it's all yours. And so he says to me, he says, daddy, if, if it's all mine, then how come I have to ask you permission? I was like, we'll talk about that when you're a little bit older. But he understands that everything that we have in our household, in my life, everything that, that makes me who I am is given to him as an inheritance. And for parents, those of you who have kids, I want to say this to you. As I learn, as I, as I study, as I research, you'll get more out of your children. When you associate and you connect their behavior to their being versus connecting their behavior to your approval. God created us to be human beings, not human doings. He wants us to be, to, he wants us to literally be that which does, not be doing in order to become. He wants us to be that which does. Not to do in order to get. Not to do in order to be. So i want to read this verse to you. And it might come off a little strange, but I want you to hang with me and, and, and get the full essence and heartbeat of what God's trying to teach us. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And it goes like this. And as he was setting out on his journey, a young man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher. What must I do in order to inherit eternal life? He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him loved him. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. The young man comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do in order to inherit eternal life? He's like, God, uh, Jesus, I, I, I want to know if you have a Pinterest do-it-yourself project that will that will get me to inherit eternal life. And this is where we flipping live most of our lives. We want to know what we must do in order to be approved, in order to be accepted, in order to inherit, in order to, to be uh, embraced. What must I do sounds like an action, and in reality what he's asking is, is is exposing an identity. We identify more with our doing. It, it, beyond your name, who are you? Most people say, my name is Jonathan, and I'm a teacher. My name is Jonathan, and I'm a, and I'm a truck driver. And, and, and almost all of our identities are based on the things that we do. And, and when we get to the Christian evangelical identity, sadly, the place that we are, In this time frame in life is a place where Christianity is based more on what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to not do. How do you vote makes you a Christian. How you don't vote makes you a Christian. How you do this makes you a Christian. It's an identity based on the do's and the do not. And so what this young man does is he approaches Jesus with a mask on. A mask that reveals what he's done? And what he hasn't done, even his process in approaching Jesus is calculated. It's it's a mask. It's a it's a it's a it's a shadow character of himself showing up. He says, "I'm going to approach Jesus this way. I'm going to run up to him because back then people who uh, wanted to show that they were humbled before somebody they, they they would run. A person of of authority would not run in front of anybody. He runs up to him. He kneels. In front of him, he says, good teacher. He probably rehearsed that over and over in his, in, in, in his mirror. Oh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say good teacher. No, no, no. I'm going to say, uh, oh, oh, amazing teacher. No, he, he, he rehearsed this over and over again. I'm going to call him this way. I'm going to address him this way. And Jesus addresses the young man beyond the mask. He says, why do you call me good? That was an invitation right there for him to stop and slow his role. And start being real. That was an invitation to say, take off the mask, let's just be real. I want to, I want to see you, I want to know you. I don't want to know you based on what you've done and what you haven't done. But okay, since you're approaching me with all these all this doing and all these things that you're doing, let's address how you're doing. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. And he goes down listing all these things. And he adds one in there that's not actually showing up in the Ten Commandments. He says, do not defraud. Because the way that the young man approached Jesus was a fraud. It was a fraud. He came up there, calculated, trying to defraud Jesus by his mask and his doings. He says, you know the commandments. How are you doing with your commandments? By the way, those of you who are watching, how are you doing with the commandments? How are you doing? If we're in a base, the authenticity of your faith, and to approve you as a believer, as a Christian, based on your doing? How are you doing? You know the commandments. How have you fared with the commandments? Oftentimes, we find ourselves suffering because we suck at keeping up with our doings and our don't doings. And you become a member of the church of the do-nots and the church of the do's. The church of the do-nots and the church of the do's. If you do, do not do this. If you do not do that, then you are accepted. Then you are good. And the life that you live, trying to live in faith, is a life that's based on what you do. You want to know, know why most people don't take faith seriously? It's because we say we want to do this, but we don't do the th- thing that we say we're going to do. Christianity fails Because we created an altar call that's based on uh, something that looks like a lottery winning. Salvation is like winning the lottery. And here's what happens to people who win the lottery. Most people who win the lottery lose their winnings within 18, to five, 18 months to 5 years. They lose everything that they ever won in that lottery because they show up as poor people on the inside who have a lot of cash on the outside. And if the inside does not match up with what's happening on the outside, you end up reflecting and becoming more of who you really are, bankrupt. Internally bankrupt. Internally bankrupt spiritually bankrupt, still trying to show up as a do-it-yourself Christian. The church becomes a Pinterest project. Christianity becomes a Pinterest project of you trying to create and manufacture something that does not reveal the essence of who you really are. And Jesus does not want to validate you in your doing. I want you to hear me. Feel me, understand me. Jesus does not want to validate you in your doing. Jesus wants to validate you in your being. He does not want to receive you. He did not go to the cross, die for you, and become resurrected so that your first words as a a Christian would be, I did it. It was done for you. And so all you now need to do is be. So Jesus responds not from the do's or the do nots, he responds from a place that is the very essence of who Jesus is. He responds from love. It says, looking at him. This man who ran up to Jesus probably had never been seen in the depths of his soul ever in his life before. He, he, Jesus said, it says that Jesus looking at him loved him. Loved him. Unconditional love. Unconditional. The reason why I know it's unconditional love is because Jesus knew that the man would not accept him. Jesus knew that ultimately uh, this young man would reject him. How do you treat people that you know are going to reject you? Do you still love them? Do you still accept them? Do you still embrace them? Or is, it, is, is the moment that you see how their behavior is going to be become an indicator or, a, or an activator of how you'll treat them? Jesus looks at this man and says, I know this guy's not going to accept me. I know this guy's going to walk away sad today. I know he's going to be sorrowful and, and, and leave this whole call that I'm inviting him into, however, I'm going to see him and I'm going to love him at the core of who he is, looking at him. He loved him. This is intimacy because that's when someone looks inside of you and sees more of you than you've seen of yourself. He looked at him and loved him, not for what he had done and not for what he hadn't done. He just saw the person. He saw the being. He saw the being. And he says to him, he says, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. Go and sell everything that you have and you'll have treasure in heaven. This is a man who has everything and Jesus tells him you lack one thing. Now, now if he goes and sells everything, he won't just lack one thing, he'll lack everything. And, And the scripture doesn't really tell us the one thing that he lacks overtly. He doesn't tell us that. What he lacked was was the sense of being, his sense of who he was in the light of God. He he, he lacked uh, um, uh, a place of, of understanding that an inheritance is not something that you work for, but rather something that's given to you because you have lineage and connection. He says, you lack this one thing. Go and sell everything and you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, I want to pause. I want to clarify something. I want to clarify his question. The initial question that this young man ran up to Jesus with was, what must I do to inherit life? What To to inherit eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what he's really asking is, what can I do in order to avoid hell? What must I do to avoid hell? And, and what's happening there is that he's doing what most people who call themselves Christians do. He's going to heaven Backwards. He's looking at everything in life and he's saying, Hell no, I won't go. Hell no, I won't go. He's literally has his back turned to God and he's saying no to all these things, not doing these things saying, Hell no, that'll get me to hell. Hell no, I'm not gonna do that. Hell no. He's saying no to hell, but never looking at who God is. Never try to experience who God is. So he's saying what must I do to inherit life, inherit eternal life? He's not really asking that question. He's just saying, what must I do to avoid hell? And when Jesus says, go sell everything that you own and give it to the poor, he's like, I can't do that. I don't want to have hell on earth while I'm alive right now, and I don't want to have hell in the afterlife. And that's the problem with most of us is that we try to live life trying to avoid pain, trying to avoid what we think would, would hurt us, living our life in avoidance. If I do not do X, then I can have Y. And what do I need to do to get Z? That's the type of philosophy and the type of life and the mindset that we carry most of us. Doing to have so I can be. Doing to have so I can be. And we end up becoming possessed by the very things that we have earned and worked for because they validate what we did. we pat ourselves on the shoulder and feel good about ourselves and think that we've created an identity. Here's what I want to say to you guys. The kingdom of God is received. It's not earned by the things that you do. The kingdom of God is received. It's an inheritance, an inheritance. He said, what must I do to, to, to inherit eternal life? My son, Jazz, my son, Zion, my son, my, my son, Justice, and my daughter, Zara, there's not a single thing that they ever have to do except become born in order to have all the assets that belong to me be transferred to them. There's nothing they have to do in life. They don't have to prove anything. They don't have to go out and, 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 and do a journey to, to, to some, some special site on this planet and, and to accomplish all these things in order for me to say, you know what? You can live in my house. You can have my stuff. You can eat my food. You can sleep in my bed. You can wear clothes that I, I buy for you. They don't have to do any of those things because right now, as children, they're living in the inheritance. Inheritance comes from being And not from doing. It comes from lineage and connection. Unless you have the last name Belima, you have no rights to my stuff. But because of who they are, because of their being, they have everything of mine. And the problem with churchianity is that we've been taught that it's what you do and what you don't do. That allows you to become a child of inheritance. We've been preaching to people like, oh, it's not about it's not about religion, it's about relationship, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. But here's the thing about it: who knows what relationship is about? Relationship is nothing unless you know who you are being, unless you understand that that, that you in, in essence are a child of God. So so, so we, we talk about relationship, but but we don't understand how that relationship comes from the source or the center of being in Christ. And you can't have relationship unless you know who you are and whose you are. So I want to take back. I want to go backwards a little bit. Because right before this passage about this rich young ruler, there's another passage. In verse 13 through 16. So, so if you'll turn and just read with me right before this, because the stories are actually connected. This is, this is Mark giving you a contrast. Okay. And we would try to separate the stories like, oh, it's the story of the rich young ruler and the story of the children. They're the same story. Watch what happens. Says this in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. And when they saw, When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let me say this to you. Children do not ascribe their value from what they do. They can't do anything. The reason why the disciples were like, no, no, send the kids away, send the kids away, was simply because the kids that they were bringing to Jesus could not give an offering, they could not help clean up, they could not help set up, they could not add anything, they could not add any value to Jesus' ministry, and because they could not add any type of value in their doing, they were useless to the disciples because the disciples were grown adults who only validated their children based on what they did and validated themselves based on what they did. And they see these kids who all they do is just be in their natural state. And they're like, send them away because they can't do anything for Jesus. Their value is only in their being. My son Jazz knows, he's my son, there's nothing he has to do in order for me to accept him. And that's what Jesus says. He says, such belongs the kingdom of God. They will receive the kingdom of God. Why? Because they don't have to do anything for it. They just be. It belongs. But you can't belong unless you understand your being. Not knowing that you have it will keep you from receiving it. So here's the gospel. Here's the gospel. What you could not do, Jesus does, and he did. What you did do, Jesus becomes and pays the penalty for. And he says, receive me. He doesn't say, do this for me. Do me a favor and then I'll accept you. He just says, receive me. And as you receive him, you enter into a state of being like a child. And you receive the inheritance. The the kingdom of God is not a paycheck for your good work. The kingdom of God is not a reward for what you did. It is an inheritance for who you are. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.